Welcome to the Next Level Faith Podcast. I'm your host, Julianne Kirkland, best-selling author and life coach. Join me each week to learn more about the strategies, tools, and mindset needed to arise from the overwhelm and create a joyful life you love. To learn how you can work with me further or to get your free copy of my book, The Water Walker, check out juliannekirkland.com. Also, be sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode because the best version of you begins on your next level of faith. Hey, hey, welcome back to the Next Level Faith Podcast. I'm your host, Julianne Kirkland. I am so happy that you keep joining me here week after week and sharing with me over on Instagram how God is speaking to you through each episode. Now, as for today, I would like to take this moment to issue a warning or disclaimer. (laughs) In case you missed it in the title, this episode is likely to have you all up in your feels if you offend easily. This episode is scripture-based and spirit-led. So if you decide to continue listening and you feel a twinge in your spirit, a form of conviction, take that as an indication that you need to spend some time with God today, asking him where those feelings are coming from. Don't get all mad at me because it brings out a spirit of offense. No, take that right to the Holy Spirit and ask where it's coming from. I have learned to do this discipline anytime the spirit of offense tries to invade. And believe me when I say it's a discipline, because you'll not always feel motivated to do so. This is the hard work because this is the inner work. Okay. So now that I have that disclaimer out of the way, today's episode is all about deception. And I looked up the definition of deception. This is what it said. Deception or falsehood is an act or statement which misleads, hides the truth, or promotes a belief, concept, or idea that is not true. It is often done for personal gain or advantage. Deception can involve dissimulation, propaganda, and sleight of hand, as well as distraction, camouflage, or concealment. Isn't that incredible? Perhaps you've caught in previous episodes that I'm working on a book. I'm writing my next book and it's all about spiritual warfare. And during this research portion that I'm in of of the process of writing a book, I've been reading a lot of books on the topic of spiritual warfare that have come before me. It's helping me to gain new insights and perspectives. I've also been more intentional about what I'm reading in scripture And I have been submitting it all to the Holy Spirit, asking for wisdom and revelation on how I am to curate all this information and then put it together with my perspective, my stories, and present it in book form. And it's because of this book journey that I'm keenly aware of how frequently the enemy uses deception to gain a foothold in the believer's life. One of the greatest ways the enemy uses deception is to convince the believer that spiritual warfare is not real, prevalent, or as aggressive as it actually is. Make no mistake, we are at war. Satan himself is after your heart. He is after your calling. His mission is to steal, kill, and destroy who God created you to be. 
And when I say Satan himself is after your heart, I'm not saying like he wants you to love him. He, he wants your heart. No, he's after it. He wants to keep it away from God. That's, that's what he wants. I love this quote by John Eldridge. It says, you don't escape spiritual warfare simply because you choose not to believe it exists. And that's so true. Like, okay, you can say you don't believe in gravity, but if I drop you off a roof, you're going to believe real quick, <laughs> right? You, okay. Just because you choose not to believe it exists, it doesn't mean that you get to escape spiritual warfare. It is easier to blame others and sometimes even God himself for the way things are playing out within our world right now, constantly seeking to justify our aversion to the truth is deception. And the thing is the enemy uses others to confirm the lie that he ensnared within you. For example, the lie that has caused me the most harm in my life is the root lie that says, I'm not good enough. The enemy knows this. The enemy will scheme and release his army to confirm it. In the beginning of my coaching journey, if I ever got told no by a potential client, all I would hear is, see, who do you think you are? How do you think you can help her? Or it would be, you'll never be able to grow a successful coaching business. Good luck. You're right. You should never have tried this. See, you were wrong. See, this, this isn't what God has you to do. Really? You think you can do this? All those thoughts are lies. Thoughts planted to deceive me into doubting my calling. Realizing that every time I let one of those thoughts spiral me into self-doubt, confusion, and insecurity, that would be a victory for the enemy. Because thinking those kinds of thoughts caused me to feel bad about myself. And when I felt bad about myself, I didn't take the action I needed to be taking in order to live out my purpose. And then I would feel like a letdown. And then I would question myself. And then I would question God, which would just cause this big spiral. And it would lead to more confusion and more inaction. Then I would seek out worldly influences like the Google, social media, friends, really any source that would confirm my desire to give up on who God was calling me to be. And their intentions were always masked with good intentions. It, it, it just what like they weren't trying to hurt me. Like when my friends, when I reach out to my friends about, oh, what should I do? You know, I'm not, I'm not having my blood. Oh, well, you know, you do have six kids. Maybe God is calling you to just focus on them and spend time with them. Okay. That's not bad advice. That's not being a bad friend, but God didn't put my call on my friend. He put it on me. And to look to my friend to tell me about the vision that God gave me for my life, that doesn't make sense because God didn't give her that vision. And we so often do this. We seek other people to help us with the vision that God gave us. And then we get frustrated and confused when they don't get it. <laughs> but God didn't give the vision to them. He gave it to you. 
He gave it to me. So if we're struggling with the vision, we need to take it to the one who gave it to us. It was like when my high-risk pregnancy doctor told me that the reality was I would not be able to carry all four babies to a healthy gestation and be healthy myself. And we, we needed to reduce down to two. This is my doctor telling me this. And the science backed his reasoning. All the internet researches I did backed his reasoning. But it was not the research that placed those babies in my womb. It was God. Why did I think the world had the answers to my divine questions? I'm just going to be bold right now. So you can just turn this off if you can't handle a spoonful of truth. If you're hanging with me, God is going to bless you for your obedience to hearing his truth. And here it is. You will not be able to fill that God-sized hole in your heart with anything the world has to offer you. It is a hole that only he can fill, period. Does that sound like I'm not being inclusive enough? Is that a non-inclusive enough statement? You're dang right it is. (laughs) In Matthew 7, 13, we learn, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. So on this point, yeah, I'm okay to be inclusive. In the name of love, many are conforming to who the world is comfortable with them being instead of who God is calling them to be. I heard Lisa Bevere explain it this way, and and I'm paraphrasing, but she was talking about for so long, the church had preached truth, 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 truth over love. And society fought back with wanting love, 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 love. But love without truth is a lie. This does not mean that I judge others and don't show compassion. Quite the opposite. I have learned that when a judgment thought enters my mind, the enemy is trying to convince me to believe the same lie that that other person believes about himself so that I will show up to that person as confirmation to him that the lie he has been believing about himself is true. For example, if Johnny is an alcoholic and the enemy has convinced him that he is a deadbeat dad, and this is just how it is, and I meet Johnny and I receive that same judgment about him, and I don't immediately surrender my thoughts to Christ, I will act, usually through a facial expression or an under-the-breast statement, I will act that judgment out. And Johnny will subconsciously or even consciously pick up on my behavior and receive it as confirmation. He will have the thought of something like, see, even if this supposed godly woman doesn't believe I can change. Even this woman of faith thinks I'm a deadbeat dad. Then Johnny might even go further and and doubt all godly people. And doing so allows him a scapegoat to continue on his path of destruction. And that's exactly what the enemy intended. The enemy didn't have to get his hands dirty. He just stoked the fire of the lies we tell ourselves in order to keep us from living into our God-given purpose. 
Faith killed? Check. Dream stolen? Check. Hope destroyed? Check. All in a day's work for the enemy. I have heard too many people say, it's too hard to be a believer. It requires too much effort. And and it's too much hard work. And it's too much sacrifice. You know, we can hear the moniker, God Almighty. And I don't know about you, but to me, you know, it was an image that would pop up of, of, of pompous God sitting on his throne, annoyed that his creation is not able to live up to the perfect ideal human that he intended it to be. When in fact, God Almighty in Hebrew means God of angel armies. He is a God who is rolling up his sleeves and he's getting in the battle with you. He will not do it for you, but invited in, he will do it with you. He is an almighty God that loves you and wants a relationship with you. Not for his benefit. He is complete without us, but it's for our benefit. We can't continue to reject what God is asking of us day after day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. And then because we want something or we need something, we, we go and we fast and pray or we go to church. We check all the do boxes and we expect God to show us favor. It's like, okay, God, we performed for you. Now, can we have what we want? No, he wants a relationship with you. He's not your genie. If your consistent behavior is ungodly, fasting for a day, it doesn't mean anything. Your motives are off. We are all called believers, not achievers. And we behave what we believe. You can highlight your Bible, take notes. I have post notes all in my Bible. You can wear the cross necklace. You can have the bumper sticker on your car. You can check all those do boxes. But at the end of the day, if doing all those things does not cause me to live out and behave in the way that reflect, that reflects Christ's truth and love, I am living a life that is shallow and flat. I am not able to experience the depth of a heart fully alive, which is exactly what God desires for us all. Quit deceiving yourself. Quit allowing others to deceive you. We are at war. Since I began this process of writing this book and my eyes were open to the truth, I am praying daily that I not be deceived. I want to be able to instantly recognize when the devil is starting something. I want to be alert. I want to be wise because deception can start so small. One of the best examples that affects almost all of my coaching clients is that of time. They feel they just don't have time to fill in the blank. When the truth is, we all get the same amount of time. The truth is, you're not honoring yourself with your time. You have deceived yourself that if you fail to meet a goal, that it was because you ran out of time or you didn't have enough time. No, you chose the excuse over the result that you said you wanted. Ah, I know. I know that one stings a little bit. And it still stings me, y'all. I still work through that. It stings when I find myself making excuses. In fact, if that above statement causes you to feel some kind of offense, 
feel offended, it is proving how quickly and easily deception can occur. It's proving my point exactly. (laughs) You want to know where you're carrying around deception in your life? Look to where you're being offended. In Luke 17, 1, Jesus warns, it is impossible that no offense should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. Using the word woe goes so far beyond grief, distress, impending doom, regret, affliction. It goes so far beyond that. So even though we can't wrap our limited human ways of thinking around the true meaning of woe, we can understand that we want none of it. (laughs) So if holding offense brings about any kind of woe, I want to be sure to release offense as soon as possible. Carrying around offense harbors unforgiveness and unforgiveness is the biggest open door that we give the enemy. I know this episode is a lot deeper than most, but I've been sitting on this content of this episode for a while now. I have not been obeying the call to record. I'm human, just like the rest of us. I struggle too. I'm learning how to listen, how to obey, how to surrender, all the things that allow me to grow in a deeper relationship with God. It is an evolving process. I'm not expected to be perfect. I'm fully known and deeply loved right where I am. In order for me to continue to reach the next level in my life, in order for me to continue to grow into the best version of myself, I have to do my part. I'm not going to offer the excuse of, oh, well, I'm just a hot mess and that's okay because Jesus loves me anyway. Nope. Even though it's true that Jesus loves me anyway, just accepting that excuse, that's what's going to keep me stuck. That's a deception that I've created for myself. That is a lie that I continue to believe that is keeping me from living a life fully alive. So one of the things I do is to ask God to reveal truth to me as I read his word. I ask for him to reveal discernment and strategies as I work with my mentor. I ask God to speak to me through my dreams, just as he did with Daniel. And he has, and he is, and he continues to do so. Uh, A reoccurring dream that I started having when I started this, this book writing process on spiritual warfare is about a poisonous snake that is hiding in my son's bearded dragon tank. It's the same dream and it has some, some differences in it, but it's, it's the same dream. It it starts out and I'm, I'm going to empty the tank to uh, clean out the dragon's tank and feed him. And, and I put my hand in there and I get bit by a poisonous snake. Sometimes it's rattlesnake. Sometimes it's a viper. The snake itself changes, and then there's always kind of a, a, a scene happening around that exact dream. I've had this dream four times now. And after each dream, or really warning, because that's what they are, I have suffered a huge spiritual attack. I will save the specifics about these spiritual attacks that have happened after these dreams for my book, but they've been pretty incredible. And this last time I had the dream, I woke up ready. 
I put my battle armor on and the enemy's blow was far less effective. God Almighty is rolling up his sleeves and in this battle with you, my friend. He wants you to be victorious. He wants you to experience a life fully alive. He wants to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven right here, right now, while you are in the kingdom of the world. Can he trust you? It's a question I've come to ask myself often when faced with deception or temptation. Can he trust me? That question alone has kept me from entering some pretty dark, deep pits. That question alone has provided me the revelation of resourcefulness to get me out of some pretty deep, dark pits. I'm not about to conform to who the world is comfortable with me being. Oh no, no way. I am bold. 2 Corinthians 3.12 says, Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. So even though my bold faith has cost me relationships and job opportunities, at the end of the day, I'm not living for those things. I am living for the moment when Jesus puts his hand on my face and says, well done. And the cool thing is, I no longer find that mission to be intimidating. That itself was a deception that I had held on to for a very long time. It felt impossible to reach. But now that I have worked with the Holy Spirit to heal that part of me, that mission is inspiring. It's empowering. It's exactly what I need to put on my armor every day and fight the good fight. Okay, my friends, that is all I have for you today. I know this episode was deep, but often we have to go deep in order to be lifted higher. Because remember, the best version of you begins on your next level of faith. Bye for now.